Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello there, and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. Today, I have a special guest, Dieter Randolph. He's a writer, a coach, a teacher, a podcaster, and he's also a third-generation minister. One of his life missions is to find ways to take the spiritual experience beyond the traditional church setting. That sounds so inspiring, Dieter. Welcome to Back to Basics. Well, thanks very much. I'm really happy to be here. Well, I'm very excited. I, you know, as I do all the research for all, you know, the guests, who am I going to have? I say, oh my God, I got a good one on this, <laughs> this week. <laughs> not that all of the, not that I've had bad ones, but you know, when I find stuff that um, inspires me in a particular way and that connection between, you know, that, that religion and spirituality and how we interchange it. And I'm sure we're going to get to it, but that, that's really mm -hmm. what resonated the most for me. Well, sounds good. Yeah, I'm really happy about that. Yeah. So tell me, tell me about yourself and the younger version of you. Where are you from? What were your <laughs> dreams as a child? I always say, you know, this is called back to basics. So I have to, I have to go back to the basics for sure. I love it. I love it. Well, as, uh, as I've said, I'm a, a third generation minister. So that means my parents and my grandparents were ministers. There's really wonderful things about that as, as I like to think of it. I got brought up with two really, really essential ideas. And that is that the idea that there needs to be something bigger than you, something bigger, something transcendent as part of your worldview, as part of the things that you shoot for. That was one of the values that, that you get from being raised by ministers. And the other thing is service. And I think that if you have both of those things, a concept of something bigger and a concept that I need to use my relationship with that something bigger to help somebody. Well, those are pretty special things. And so in that sense, I'm really grateful for, uh, for my upbringing. But I have to say that being raised in the family business like I was, you don't realize that there's certain questions that maybe you're allowed to ask. You know, you just sort of assume certain things. You know, like I say, if, you, if you're raised by uh, parents and grandparents or plumbers, you're probably going to go fix sinks and toilets and not really think if there's anything else you ought to be doing because that's just what everybody does around you. And so... I have always had a real strong sense of calling. And when I was very young, I was a super overachiever. I started college really early. I was 13 years old when I started college and What? I went to seminary and oh. yeah, it's crazy. And, and, uh, When I was very, very young, I was elected a teen representative and they flew me all over the world to go speak at places and lead workshops. And I was really in it to the point where by, by the time I was 21, I was married and I had a little baby and I was running a storefront church. Oh, wow. That's a lot <laughs> right there to unpack. Talk about someone that knew what they wanted to do at an early age. <laughs> sure, sure. And, and there's really wonderful things about that. But on the other hand, it wasn't until I was a little bit older that I started to go, you know, this is great in the sense of having a concept of calling. I know I have that in my heart. My heart, I always have. Having that idea of something bigger and that idea of service, really, really important. But on the other hand, 
I started to figure out, sort of to learn the hard way that just because you're good at something doesn't mean that you're supposed to do it. It doesn't mean you're going to even be happy doing it. Mm. And I also realized that no matter how open-minded and accepting you try to be, just the word church makes some people feel left out because a lot of people have had a lot of really negative experiences because of church and ministers and other words we might use like Bible, Jesus, and so on. Uh, that doesn't mean I don't believe in those things, but it does mean that, wow, I, I don't want to leave anybody. And so it wasn't until later on that I started to ask those questions. And in fact, I walked away from the whole thing for a long time. I stopped doing church for a long time and kind of backed into something brand new. And that's kind of what I'm working on now. That's fantastic. And uh, and I definitely want to hear more about that. But I find very inspiring that part where you say, okay, this is someone that when you say, you know, I had got that sense of there's something bigger and the sense of service as an important component to one's fulfillment. This is stuff that most people, you know, we get to it later in life and we get to <laughs> it like, okay, they, I have to bake in now. How can I be of service? How can I, so, so that I feel complete. You come from the opposite side of things, which I right. find very, very interesting because this is also proof that even if you have those pillars, those building blocks that are, you know, believed to be the most important ones, you still go, got to a place where you say, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm not doing this for a while. So we all have like that <laughs> midlife crisis one way or sure. another into what, <laughs> what we are happy doing. Mm -hmm. So I would love to, to get a little bit of that state of mind that you had when you say, I'm quitting this. Is it something disappointed you? Something you got, uh, you got tired of doing the same thing all the time? I just, just have a little background there, if you don't mind. Of course. Well, I think that it takes a little bit of emotional maturity to recognize that the calling you have on the inside does not have to be carried out in the way that you might think. You know, the difference between an inner feeling and an outer execution can be really, really a big difference. But I think some people get so caught up in a certain pattern or this is how I express love, or this is how I do art, or this is how I have, I express this inner thing. And if you're so caught up in one particular way of expressing that, you can miss out on what you're really supposed to be doing. It's great to have a sense of calling. It's great to have a sense of service, young or old. But the next question is, yeah, but what are you going to do about it? And if your only tools in that toolbox are, are very, very specific to other people, they're not specific to you, you're bound to be frustrated. And so I didn't have the emotional uh, wherewithal to go, well, wait a minute, I feel this way, but I could do it different. I thought, okay, I feel this way, but the only way that you can do this is the way that my parents and my grandparents did it. Well, I can't do it that way because it doesn't feel right to me. So you know what? I'm out. Interesting. I love that. That's a powerful reflection, I think, because this is for my corporate audience. Like, uh -huh. I know I have a lot of people in the corporate world that feel that, well, you know, I've spent 20, 25 years building a career. I have a reputation. I, I've spent all these years building something. How can I now pivot and go into something else completely? And I always put myself as the example in this podcast where I'm still in the corporate world and I'm doing the podcast just because I have fun and I meet interesting people. And I feel that a single episode that can help someone that can listen to you and get inspired to do something, I feel good about it. 
But yeah. people always try to say, oh, no, but you're doing this or you're doing that. Like, they're not happy with the idea of you doing a little bit of both. And mm. so I think that's a very important point you bring in, which is you can still do it your own way in a different, with different tools under a, a different lens, basically. Yeah, I think that the thing that I had to sort of learn the hard way, uh, funnily enough, is something that, that I think applies whether or not you're a minister, whether or not you're in the corporate world, whether or not you're driving a truck. I think that there's something very, very basic that is really helpful for anybody to do, and that is to get to the idea behind the thing. In other words, somebody might say, you know, I really want a new car. Well, there's nothing wrong with a new car, but that might not be the thing that's going to make you happy. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got a story of how they got the thing they thought they wanted and they were not happy about it. You know, you finally get that one person to pay attention to you and then you're in a bad relationship. You finally win the lottery, but then you're in more trouble. Everybody's got stories like that. And the way to not have a bad story like that is to get to the idea behind the thing. So you say you want a new car. Well, maybe maybe it's not the car. What, what does that represent to you? And if you really think about it and really think about it and really ask about it, you might go, well, it means I could be free. Okay, well, what you really want is freedom. And it might be that freedom is not best expressed through that car, but through something else. You go, I really want this one person to pay attention to me. Well, why is that? Well, because I don't want to be alone. Okay, well, work on that. And whether or not they're supposed to be your dream person, that's a secondary question. It's a byproduct of that inner work you do. So in my case, it had to do with going, okay, well, I want to serve these things. I want to help people. I want to think and talk about these bigger ideas, but I don't want to do it in the traditional framework. Okay, well, if you can get back to the idea behind the thing, it frees you up to execute that differently. And that is something that you see a lot in the corporate world. I mean, we talk about disruptors. A disruptor is really somebody who said, let's take the essence of the idea and figure out a better way to do it. Let's challenge some assumptions. Powerful stuff. I I might use that for my work because I'm like, (laughs) I'm trying to disrupt stuff and it's very hard. People don't like change and and, and all that. So, but uh, yeah, I I like that. So yeah, follow the why. I've heard that before. Like when you say mm-hmm. follow, you know, you want something, follow the why. Ask why, 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 until you're going to get to an answer where you cannot ask why. It's just the way it is. <laughs> exactly. You want freedom. Exactly. Is that that's, you cannot ask why you want the freedom. You do something right. you want and you, and, and you want to obtain. So that, that's definitely a very powerful advice for the listeners. So now, obviously, I'm very curious about how are you disrupting your world? Tell me about <laughs> what's, what are you doing? What's this new thing you're working on? Well, what happened to me was, like I said, I walked away from the whole thing and I was in my early 20s. And at that point, my wife and I were starting our family. We had uh, two little kids and, uh, you know, we have to pay the bills. And so we just got regular jobs. You know, and I tried to do anything I could think to do. I sold used cars for a while. I worked in a record store. I worked in an insurance company. I I ended up doing computer stuff because I kind of had an aptitude for it. And in fact, I did really well in that industry to the point where I ended up working for Google for a little while. And I've I've done all of that kind of Silicon Valley startup kind of stuff. But I wasn't happy doing that either. I mean, did good financially, did good, you know, as far as the career kind of stuff and all that, you know. But as we know, that doesn't mean the same thing as happiness because I had walked away from everything, that good feeling and the not so good execution. And I went into something that wasn't fulfilling either. But what I found out again, the hard way 
the long way around, and I want everybody listening to know there's nothing wrong with learning things the long way around. You get what you need to get. You get where you're supposed to go sooner or later. So just relax about it. It's <laughs> going to happen, you know? But what would start to happen for me is I would go to, people would find me. I would go to a meeting and someone would say, hey, can you hang out after this meeting? So I want to talk to you about something. And, you know, I would think, okay, well, this is going to be about making sure the reports are done right or, you know, some kind of paperwork thing. And then the meeting would be over and the person would say, okay, now that it's just you and me, I'm going through a divorce and I wonder what you think about this. Or, you know, cousin so-and-so died. And what do you think happens after you die? People would ask me these kinds of questions. And that's a crazy thing because in the corporate world, I'm surrounded by people who have college degrees in computer science and robotics and engineering. And here I am with a degree in theology. You know, it's not something that I told anybody about. You know, it wasn't a secret, but I, I cer certainly wasn't advertising it. And you know, as well as I do, that you're not supposed to talk about God stuff or spiritual stuff or even emotional stuff in the workplace. If you do that too much, HR is going to get you on the phone and you're going to get in trouble, right? So people would ask me these questions and it happened all the time. And I would have to go, hey, you know what? Let's not talk about this here. Let's go for a walk. Mm -hmm. Or maybe we'll, we'll, maybe we'll go have coffee on the weekend or go, let's go out to lunch together. Something like that so that it was outside of the workplace because that's not appropriate there. But more and more, I couldn't get away from it. People were finding me. And so I got the lesson, once again, the long way around that what you're supposed to be doing, what you're called upon to do is going to find you. Your job is to find a way to stay open. But even if you're not good at that, sooner or later, it's going to find you. And that's exactly what happened. And so I got to the place where there started to be a group of people who I was talking to on a regular basis. And we'd have weekly phone calls. And I didn't set myself up as any kind of like life coach or anything like that, because that's not exactly what it was. But all of a sudden, there was a small group of people who wanted to talk about spiritual ideas and and more importantly how that applied to the real world and that's incredibly different than the to the traditional church metaphor of okay once a week we all gather in a very specific place where no one else comes in except people that we agree with who think like us and look like us usually and one guy gets up and it's almost always a white male gets up and says a few things and we put some money in the plate and then we go have lunch that's the traditional model mm -hmm. And what I discovered is you can do this stuff in a way that's very far away from the traditional model. So I've done a lot of different things. I continue to talk on a one-on-one -on -one basis with people all over the country and, in fact, all over the world now. And I've written some books because that's a good way to do this without any kind of, I don't ask anybody anything, you know. For a while, I did a, a more traditional sort of a once-a-week kind of a talk, but even that was different because... I encourage people to text in. There'd be a phone number up on a screen behind me. People would text their questions and I never knew what people were going to say and I'd just answer the questions. We did a lot of things differently, but as a result of, of an evolution of that, and in fact, because of COVID sort of shutting the world down, mm -hmm. you know, we got to a position where you can't be in a group of people. I was driving around and I saw that, and maybe you've seen this too, a lot of churches in my town have for sale signs up. Mm -hmm. Because it's, you know, church, there's not a whole lot of churches that are doing real well financially, no matter what the stereotype is. The truth is most neighborhood churches are not mega churches. They're not doing great. Yeah. And even if they don't agree with what I think theologically, I'm still pro-church. 
I think it's a place where a lot of really good things can happen as long as you find one that speaks to your heart, you know? But I thought, wow, you know, I'm really lucky and blessed that I didn't have to make a mortgage payment on a building or a rent payment or anything. And so maybe the best thing I can do for church is to not do church. Well, you're doing it the I, I say if you're doing it the old fashioned way because when when you read the Bible and you know even the Old Testament like disciples these all these people they were walking they were finding the way to share the message mm -hmm. to evangelize and to share whatever their view was it wasn't that formal as we know it today so right. it's, it's almost like a back to basics there too and I find it more and more that also me on my own spiritual journey you find like technology has given us the chance to really reach out to the world. And now we can listen to teachers from people anywhere in the world. As you said, you talk to people all over. And so Absolutely. I think that if you are intentionally looking for what fills your heart, you're going to find it. And I, I totally agree with you on that one. Yeah. So I, I'm not surprised that people find you because I, <laughs> I, I know that when, when you're on a path to, to get, you know, to someone whose words uh, speak, you know, sound true, sound authentic, which to me, your words do. It's very easy to want to hear more. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm honored by that. Thank you for the kind words. But what I, what I learned is, you know, that word church doesn't mean once a week place where a guy stands up. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that at all. The word actually means, you know, like the, def, the dictionary definition of the word means the called out community. In other words, it's a group of people who feel called by something bigger than themselves, but also who call each other out. In other words, they hold each other accountable. Well, there's not a lot of accountability in a lot of churches right now, so it's something that we ought to look at. But the point is, it has nothing to do with the building. It's not like you can go to the Holy Home Depot and get special consecrated two-by-fours. The thing that makes a church a special place is the people in it and the sharing that happens. And what we're learning is that sharing, that community can happen anywhere and it probably should happen anywhere instead of in some gated community i love it and uh so so i know you mentioned this but i know at some point you had a youtube like people could submit questions to you to you it's like did you have something like ask Dieter about something yeah, yeah and it's I, i still do it i don't do it as often as i used to just because there's a lot going on but um it's askdeeter.com in fact and people can they just send me questions and they can be about anything. I've had people ask very traditional questions about like what happens after you die and God's stuff. But also somebody asked me how I felt about hallucinogenic mushrooms. You know, there's, <laughs> there's just anything because people ask me all kinds of questions and I think you ought to be able to deal with any kind of thing. And so my, I just videotape my answers and usually about like a minute long answer of whatever it is. And you can go and find anything that I do. And I love that because I know what I think about things. I want to know what people want to know. And so it's one of the ways that we can make it a little bit more interactive. And it's been so much fun. I get such a wonderful, crazy I imagine, I imagine. I have to check it out. And, uh, and I know you do have also a podcast. Uh-huh. And that's at the core of what, I, what I've started to do. Because what, I, what I've decided is I'm not going to do stuff on Sunday mornings because I want people to go find a spiritual community that speaks to them and support that. Because like I said, I'm pro-church. I'm just not doing church. Mm -hmm. But so what I do instead is once a month, I'll find a place to meet and it's usually like in a coffee shop or something. And I'll talk the owner into staying open late <laughs> mm -hmm. and people come and there's no singing and there's no public prayer and there's no pass in the basket. None of that. I just talk. 
And I can talk about things that maybe wouldn't be appropriate in a traditional church environment. And if I want to swear, then I swear. It's not a big deal. And people ask questions. And sometimes the conversation goes in a completely different direction than I thought it was going to go, but it feels real. And so what happens is we record those and then that becomes my podcast. That's about once a month. And it's just so much fun because it, it feels like real life instead of like a pretend thing. You know, and so I'm starting to, after all of these years, I'm 47 now, after all these years, I'm actually trying to get back to that thing that I had a a calling about when I was a kid. And so it's just starting to come together. It's really a lot of fun. So would that that be the thing that to talk and and just interact with people as you talk, but not in the church setting? That's really what kind of was, you're really getting yourself out of the box to be able to do what you enjoy the most. Yeah. And that's what feels right to do right now. You know, I try to stay open. I don't want to, I don't want to ever get into a rut and it might be in a year or five years. That doesn't feel like the right thing, but it sure feels right right now. Well, I definitely think you're onto something. Um, I'm a church goer, but I'm a hundred percent with you. Like people would define me as very traditional, but I'm not because I'm Catholic, but I love to learn about Buddhism and other, you know, mostly about spirituality, uh-huh. but I'm very set in my beliefs. But I do think that there's something that the conversations have to happen outside the church for people to really be open to what's going on. Because it's like they taught us that there was black and there was white, but in reality, life is at all shades of gray. That's right. That's and right. it's very hard when they try to put us on the black and white thing because I'm, I consider myself a good person. And many times I'm like in these shades of gray that I don't even know what they are. But I know I'm feeling them, you know, when you get jealous or you get all other feelings. And he said, yeah, you shouldn't feel that, but you are feeling it. So, <laughs> so yeah, this you is know, real. I, yeah. And I can kick myself for feeling some way because nobody told me about it on Sunday morning or I can figure out what that really means and try to be a better person as a result of it. I, I have this idea that the things that I do, whether it's the gathering at the coffee shop or the books I write or the things I do on my website or whatever it is. One of the main goals I have is I want people to find a spiritual community, but I want them to be like the spiritual equivalent of an informed consumer. You know, when you go to buy a car, you research, is this a good car? Is this got good gas mileage? Is this safe? You read stuff about it. You figure out what a good deal is. When you're going to go to a restaurant, maybe you look at the menu online. A lot of places you go, you, you, you go, is this going to be right for me? But I think people have a blind spot when it comes to church things, but it makes church better. When you go to church with a truly inquisitive mind and heart, that is not unspiritual. In fact, it means that you have faith because when I ask a question, I have faith that there's an answer. That's a statement of faith. Instead of just being sitting there blankly waiting for the service to be, is it my time to stand up, sit down, sing, do the thing, pray out loud, put money in the basket, and then I go home? People can become robots about that very, very easily, and you're not helping the world God doesn't care about that. You're not becoming a better person. The minister or priest or imam or rabbi or whatever at the front of the room, they don't benefit from that. Nobody's helped by you becoming a robot once a week. But if you have real questions, if you show up with something and demand meaning, man, things can change for you. Yeah, I, I definitely think the engagement is a big thing, right? It's yeah. like register. It's like if you you can go to church every Sunday, but if you're not engaged, you're just going through the motion. It's like when you want to lose weight, you register on the gym. But if you keep eating the same, you don't make changes. 
you're also not going to see any changes. You're going through the motion. And if you think or if you want to be happy at work, but you just go for the paycheck and you don't get engaged with it, what you do every day, you also, you know, so I, I also say you have the tools, you have the places, you have the institutions, you have the resources, but unless you became engaged in your own change, things are not going to happen. Exactly so. Exactly so. I think that for a lot of people, church, and I use the word church, I mean, I could just as easily say temple or whatever, you know, just generically. I come from a background of church, so I say church. I don't want anybody to get offended by that. I think that church, for a lot of people, feels like a steam bath. In other words, everybody just kind of goes in and they sit you know, and what's in it for me. And they, maybe they relax a little bit, but everybody just kind of sits around and agrees with each other and they validate each other. I think the church isn't supposed to be like that. That's not a community of called out people. I think that the, the, the church really ought to feel more like, you know, those movies when somebody's going to jump out of an airplane and everybody's all together in the top of the, in the airplane, they're like, okay, here we go. It's going to be something. Let's go. Yeah. I got your back and we're going to go do this. And they cheer each other on and they step out into something unknown and they have to be brave for each other. I think that's what church is supposed to feel like. Less like a steam bath and more like an airplane full of parachutists. I think that's I like the that. model. Yeah. I like that. I think, unfortunately, and uh, it's related, and now as a mom of two young kids, like my daughter is six and my, uh, my son is 10, they go to Catholic school and uh-huh. they make them go to Mass on Fridays, right? Which I think is a good thing. Is Then on Sundays, I struggle because I'm like, my six-year-old just went through a Mass on Friday. <laughs> you know, do am I supposed to? Of course, the right thing to do is you do it too. But, you know, I am of the opinion that the fact that a lot of people get forced to go to Mass every single Sunday when they were young, growing up is what has created the resistance or temple, again, uh, any, any faith that took as a young kid to go every single week, you develop a resistance <laughs> against. Oh, for I, sure. Yes. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I question that. And as again, as a practicing person myself, I want my kids to know where the resources are. They know where they could go if they need, you know, something more. But as a young person, I think it's 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 not maybe the best strategy. But you know, that's a, I guess a full podcast on itself <laughs> about <laughs> about religious strategies. Yeah. So since people ask you all sorts of things, one of the things that I get asked the most on the podcast and one of the of the real purpose of what I did it is it seems to be that we have a um a struggle with we a lot of us don't feel we are living meaningfully. We feel that we are wasting our lives. Mm-hmm. We are not we are struggling with finding purpose. So I know you're big and I know you wrote a book about it. Meaning fulfilled, right? Uh-huh. Is yeah. the name of your book. That's it. So I want to ask you about what tips can you give the audience? What's your your take on what can we do to live in more fulfilled lives? Well, I think that is a really important question. Obviously, I think it's important. I wrote a book about it. But the reason I wrote that book is I was reflecting about, okay, well, how do I find some way to reflect how I feel on the inside? And just like all the things we've been talking about. And one of the things that occurred to me is because of my background in the ministry and because of my parents, grandparents and all that, because of being in this life for so long, I've been to probably hundreds of funerals. I've been to so many funerals. And obviously nobody likes going to a funeral. It's not something you look forward to. That's kind of weird. But I am honored by getting to be a part of that. But what's interesting about going to a funeral is when I do a funeral, you know, usually maybe like 10% of the people there, they know who I am. 
But, you know, it's friends and family. So they come from all different walks of life and they go to all different kinds of churches and temples and centers, or maybe they don't go anywhere at all. So it's a really interesting group of people. And the thing is, no matter what you believe, and maybe if you don't believe in anything, being at a funeral is a time to really reflect on life, the universe, and everything. You know, what does it all mean? Even if you think, okay, this is the end and it's just, you know, lights out after that, that's still being in the face of that kind of bigness gives you some time to think. And so what I have discovered is that everybody has deep insights at a funeral. But the funny thing is, you're not supposed to talk to the person next to you about your deep insights because they're busy grieving. You can't say, hey, hey, stop crying for a minute. I want to tell you about this idea I have about what happens after you die. Nobody does that. But people do feel like they can talk to the guy at the front of the room, even if they don't know me. So after a funeral, I have heard so many amazing wonderful, weird, funny things. People have told me so many things. I've heard deep insights and I've heard inappropriate jokes and I've heard everything. You wouldn't believe the things that people say to me. But I was reflecting about how after all of my years of doing this, after having heard everything, I have never heard anybody say, hey, you know, that was a really beautiful service, but I wish you would have talked more about their credit score. I wish you would have talked more about their height and their weight and how many likes they're getting on social media. I wish you would have talked more about the data. And we laugh at that because we know that that's a silly, meaningless thing. But we know that the data is meaningless, but most people spend most of the time chasing numbers. If only I could make a few dollars. If only I could lose a few more pounds. If only I could get a few more likes on my Instagram posts. If only I could get to a desirable zip code or whatever. People chase the numbers all the time, even though we know the numbers don't mean anything. And that's a real problem because life is like a you are what you eat kind of thing. In other words, if you chase something meaningless, you will start to feel meaningless too. And that's what really got me to to start writing that book because I wanted to go, okay, well, we know what's meaningless. And a big part of the battle here is stop doing stuff that hurts so that you can make room for what doesn't, for what fulfills you. And what I've discovered is in the course of writing this book, and I've gone all over the country talking about the book, and I've been on a bunch of podcasts and stuff like that. One of the things that, that I've discovered is that everyone is already really good at finding meaning. And that's a funny thing. I mean, sometimes that skill is buried because we're not trained for it in school. You know, school is about where are you going to be in five years? You know, and it's about chasing the numbers. Work is about chasing the numbers and all of that. And yet, even though we are not trained for it, each and every person is actually very, very good at meaningful things. And I know that because each and every person has something that they do that when they do it, they lose track of time. It's a great test. Think about your life. There's something you do. And it doesn't matter if it's a big deal. I'm not talking about curing cancer here. Maybe it's when your favorite song gets, comes on, you have to get up and dance to it. Maybe there's a chocolate chip cookie recipe that you make that nobody else can make that just blows everybody away. It doesn't matter what it is. Maybe you like to go out in the garage and paint. It doesn't matter. There's something you do that when you do it, you lose track of time. That when you do it, there's no point to it. And that's a big deal. If you want a better life, a meaningful life, what I want people to do is learn how to embrace the pointless. I know that seems like a silly thing to say, but think about it. You know, so many things we go, what's the point? In other words, what am I going to get out of this? What is the external reward after I do my time? Well, the best things in life, they don't have an external reward. They have an internal reward. Love is pointless. 
in fact, is really inconvenient. You know, art and truth and beauty and honor and nobility and everything really good and really important is pointless. If you're in a loving relationship with somebody and your point is, you know, what am I going to get out of this? It's not all that loving. You know, no, there's no artist that's painting a really beautiful, meaningful painting thinking about how much money they're going to sell it for. Because the moment they start thinking about that, the art goes away. Well, everything is like that. You want a good life, embrace the pointless because there are beautiful, wonderful, pointless things about you. When you love somebody, you'll stand out in the rain. When you love somebody, even if your friends don't understand, you know you love them. And you can't prove that with an equation on a chalkboard. You know, the fact that you like your favorite song is something you can't prove. If you were a computer program or a robot, the fact that you like your favorite song would be a glitch, an error. And yet those are the best things about you. So stop measuring yourself by the point, by the cash value, by the external reward, and start measuring yourself by how deep you can get into something pointless, by how much you can have your heart sing when you're inspired, when you tell the truth, and when you hear something and you just know that it's true. You know, you talked about that uh, follow the wise thing, and I think that's a great thing. The question is, well, how do I know when to stop asking why? You know, why do you want this? Well, because of this. Okay, well, why do you want that? Because that. Well, why do you want that? How far back do you go? And the answer is you go back when you know you can stop going back when you get to a place where you know, just like you know when you're in love, when you just know. And so I would ask people, make a list of things you know, just like you know you're in love, just like you know you're alive, you know? And for some people, it might be a very small list because like I said, we're not trained for it. But there's a few things on that list. And as you start to explore what's on that list and why it's there, you will start to learn some things about yourself. When you start to look for those moments of meaning where you lose track of time, you will start to have more and more of those moments. You can get good at this and it will change everything. Wow, that's, that's a very, very powerful reflection that you just gifted us with. So I, I, I thank you for, you for that. And it's actually perfect because, you know, the last question of... on every single episode of my podcast to the guest is what makes you tick. <laughs> and it's really aligned with all you've said. So say, I'm on to something because I realized when I designed this podcast is we are the happiest when we connect to what makes us tick. Yeah. And it can be that chocolate chip cookie you mentioned. <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> as I always, yeah, and I, it can be something, as you say, as small or a place or something. So you define it so good. I don't have to even explain that question <laughs> to you. So what makes you tick besides all these things that you've shared well, with us? Anything else? It's, it's, well, it's talking about this stuff, for one thing. I mean, as you've learned, I can't shut up about it. But it's, it's it. about those moments of meaning. You know, what makes me tick is when that song comes on the radio. You know, when, when I get to hang out with my kids, when, you know, I haven't seen my wife for a few hours and I see her, you know, when she walked into the room, when we were both teenagers, I just knew, you know, and we're celebrating 27 years of marriage. And wow, that can be another yeah, episode of for the sure. podcast. How do you get to 27? For sure. Yeah. And I have some thoughts about that, but, but the point is there's those moments when you kind of go, oh, there it is. And in those beautiful moments, it's not like the trumpets sound and the angels sing and the earth shakes. It's never like that. You know, when Jenny walked into the room all those years ago, it was more like, oh, there you are. It was like seeing an old friend I hadn't seen in a long time. 
but I'm trying to get good at knowing those moments when I see it. I think it's really beautiful to be the kind of person who doesn't pray to get their way, but instead just prays, you know what, God, may I know it when I see it. And that's what I try to be good at. And that's what makes me tick. Well, I know it when I see that you are a fantastic guest that I don't have a doubt why, you know, people want to hear more from you because you're just inspiring and, and you know, you have a way with words. Absolutely. But also it's uh, everything you share. It's so to the point. It's very simple. You, I think you, you're able to, to put it in very simple terms. Like this sounds so easy. Why, <laughs> why, why am I not doing this? And, and one of the things that I'm, you know, would love to leave this with is, you know, something you share about staying open and that what you're supposed to be doing will find you. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people that I in contact with that I see, I see a lot of people struggling with that, that I want to do something different. I don't know if it's because after COVID, you know, that a lot of people are, are saying, am I living my life the way am I supposed to live it? And, and, and I just love the fact that I say what you're supposed to be doing will find yeah. you. Love it. And I, and I thank you for that. And you have an open invitation <laughs> to this ep to this podcast to talk about anything because it's uh, I I can feel that you we have like several episodes in us here. <laughs> well, anytime. I'm, I'd love to anytime. Thank you, Dieter. Best of luck, and and uh, you know, until the next episode of Back to Basics. <laughs> Thanks very much. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you, and until the next time.